She's like, I'm gonna kill you. Not if I kill you first. <laughs> and we started having threesomes. We were enemies. Enemies to lovers. Hey, and welcome to Enemies to Lovers, the podcast where Alex and Shay. Two former college roommates who used to hate each other, and now we're lovers and business partners. This podcast explores dating, polyamory, and ethical non-monogamy. We also feature guests who will ask us questions and share their own personal experiences. So keep an open mind. Please subscribe. And as always, stay Stay curious. curious. This is not an educational podcast. We will cover our personal experiences and share resources you can check outside of this podcast. Enemies to Lovers. Let's jump right in. Today we are covering our origin origin stories. Dun, dun, dun. So, how did we get into polyamory? Seriously, how did we get here? As a wise man once said, where did we come from? (laughs) Where did we go? (gasps) You looked at me, but that's you. Where did we go? We actually got into E&M in pretty different ways, I would say, because I was part of a couple. You kind of started exploring it single, right? Yes. And that's why you should subscribe because we have two different perspectives. Two different perspectives. Wow. Whoa. <laughs> I would say most people in Bali and Enem are already partnered. So let's start with you. Yeah. Sure. Um, so I'll give a bit of a backstory and then if you have questions for me, you can shoot your shot. Already shot my shot. It's receded. The shot has been shot, guys. Baller moves happening. Shay's got game. Um, podcast God and I have been together for going on 12 years now. And uh, we started off monogamous. We grew up in the South, you know, very super South, culture. super Bible yeah. Belt. So monogamy was the thing to do and heterosexuality. So we grew up together, went to high school together, started dating, went off to colleges in states really far away. So we were 12 hours apart doing long distance. And then at one point, and I'm not proud of this, but cheating did happen. Uh, Let's specify who did the cheating here. (laughs) If you want to hear more in detail about that, uh, I was actually on a podcast that uh, my friend Lace Larabi, she's a comedian in Atlanta, runs called Cheaties. Check it out. We'll link that below. But essentially, I, I knew I was bisexual. Uh, going into college, I'd never been with a woman. I saw you looking when I was changing in our <laughs> dorm. <laughs> we were roommates. No, but I uh, went off to college. We were monogamous. We were long distance. And it was weird because, well, first of all, being long distance with an introvert <laughs> would not recommend. Uh, the communication is, <laughs> you know, not great. Or at the time, especially because we were little. <laughs> we were young. When also, we like, young. smartphones, like, just became Oh, thing. yeah, we're old. Smartphones weren't <laughs> really a thing at that point. Like, we, when did you get your first smartphone? Probably, like, towards the end of college. I think I got mine, like, sophomore year. We're old. Yeah, we used to use Skype on computers. <laughs> That's how we kept up with each other. Skype is kind of shitty. You know what? It got us through. 12 years, man. 12 years. Um, but, yeah, we, we would Skype. We would hang out on video chat. It felt like I was single, but not at the same time. You know, like I, I, I was lonely. I was horny. I wasn't getting any. Couldn't flirt with anyone. Uh, wasn't a lot of really, people flirted with you. <laughs> I saw it happen. <laughs> wasn't uh, really getting much communication, but also we were in a relationship. So I'm not single. 
so yeah i don't know there was a lot going on with that i wanted to try being with women i brought it up a couple times to my boyfriend and he wasn't cool with it and i made the bad decision to jump right in and try it anyways so there was a period of a couple weeks in probably like my junior year of college where podcast god says that is incorrect (laughs) please please clarify what yikes what what (laughs) yeah anyways i uh decided to download tinder which was a new thing at the time when was it really like 2013 i mean it was new it wasn't like new new but it was newer i can't believe all of us started using tinder despite all of our parents being like don't hang out with strangers i know (laughs) yeah but i ended up using tinder and essentially tinder airbnb my way through well not actually airbnb basically i uh, okay we're never getting sponsors Continue. Basically, I was kicked out of the dorm because it was the end of the semester. I was doing an internship that went into the summer for a few weeks, but I didn't want to pay for housing because dorms are insanely expensive, especially during the summer. So Mm -hmm. I decided this was the prime opportunity. You're like, fuck my boyfriend. This is the time to get pussy. Now is the time. So I essentially tindered my way through couch surfing for those few weeks however long my internship was and then eventually i i don't remember if i told podcast god or if he figured it out i don't remember what happened you have an std spirit oh right right <laughs> for for those who did not hear alex had an std scare and that's how podcast god well, found out i thought i had an std we went to the er turns out it was an ingrown hair and the doctor laughed at me. I mean, you grew up in the South. I don't think you got a great sex ed. No. <laughs> so, yeah, that happened. Wait, you went to the ER with Podcast God? With and Podcast God. He was there. He was, he was there. there. And then when he, did he, he arrive? Like, when your internship ended? I don't remember. No, this was, that's why I'm saying it was more than a few weeks. Because this was the next semester. Oh, so fall? I, I came to visit you for, like, homecoming or some bullshit. I, I guess he came back at some point in the fall to visit me. You were a shitty person. <laughs> the thing is, you guys communicated. We did. We communicated through it. Uh, no, but seriously, we at the time, we almost broke up. There was a period of time where he was trying to figure out if he was cool with staying together or not, which I respect, especially because a lot of men don't consider hooking up with a woman as equivalent to hooking up with a man, which is homophobic. Just a side note. Podcast God being an ally is not what's relevant here. Podcast God is an ally. He is an ally. And we love him for it. I'm an ally. I just- He's traumatized. He's queer. So-, so, but, so that whole thing happened, and then from there... That kind of started the discussion of maybe we should just open the relationship permanently. And at first the answer was absolutely not. Did you start the conversations? Were you like, it doesn't count as cheating if we open the relationship? Well, I don't know if I phrased it like that, but (laughs) I essentially said, we're going to be long distance for a while after this. I want Like years. Yeah. I want to continue exploring with women. I want to experience dating other people because we were pretty much each other's first serious relationship. I mean, high school. Oh yeah. For context. High school. Yeah. We started dating when we were literally children and then kept dating into college. So... I mean, there were a lot of reasons that I personally wanted to be open, uh, but I also didn't want to lose that relationship because at that point we did really care about each other and we we got we had gotten to a point where I didn't want to just throw that away. And at first the answer was absolutely not. Uh, and then we just kind of didn't talk about it for a year as he processed and forgave me. And then at some point he brought it back up and we started having threesomes. 
Did he bring it back up after you like cajoled him a little bit about it, or was it from his, what I like remember, own volition? Kind of ran- I didn't bring it up for like a year again because I like thought, nothing. I said I thought okay, this is not happening, so I'm just gonna suck it up. I want to be with this up. guy, you know, whatever. Right. Um, he forgave me, like you know, that's enough as it is. But then, from what I remember, he brought it up and he said, "So you know how we talked about maybe having a threesome." At this point, you guys were still like purely EM and not like no, purely monogamous at this point. But, but you were talking about EM, not yeah. poly. Well, we didn't even have the vocabulary. We didn't know EM was a thing. It was just opening. Yeah, yeah. To You're like, physically we being don't need to be exclusive. Right. And at that point, we only really did group play. So we start off having threesomes, foursomes here and there with people. Really spicy. around my college, mostly. So spicy. <laughs> um, no, I had a lot. We had a lot of fun. Um, we learned a lot. We learned about boundaries. The main thing with doing stuff in a group is you really have to figure out who's what is everyone's boundary, who's into who, because not everyone is necessarily going to be into everyone. Not everyone is going to be comfortable. With yeah, you've told me stories. <laughs> but yeah, so that kind of started, and then eventually that turned into oh, maybe we can explore hooking up with people one on one or going on a date or two. But it didn't really turn into full-on polyamory until I would say this year, honestly, where we're both fully okay with um, dating, emotionally connecting with other people, having other full-on partners that are romantic and emotional and, you know, not just physical. Who put in the idea for, like, the first threesome? I don't remember the exact way. This is why we keep diaries. (laughs) You're so type A. No, I'm not. (laughs) Type ADHD, maybe. Type ADHD. No, I don't remember the exact, I don't remember who brought it up, but I know we both, I think we both made Tinder. Well, I already had a Tinder, clearly. But <laughs> You guys should see his face right now. It's great. This is amazing we need material. need podcast God reaction cam. Everyone would be on his side. <laughs> he would have his own team stance. Podcast God. Hell yeah. So I remember the first threesome was with another guy. And I remember it was someone I knew. We, I matched with him on Tinder. Was this before or after Podcast God came out as by? After. Okay. I'm going to say his name, but we're going to bleep this out. Give him a nickname. Do you know who is? That name sounds really familiar. Where's my phone? Let me see. I want to see. I'm not thinking. No. no. He doesn't have a lot of pictures on his Facebook. You know him? I know him. Yep. That was our first threesome. So I felt comfortable because I knew him. I knew he was, you know, a chill dude. He went to college with me. I didn't know him well, but we were acquaintances. Apparently, we also were acquaintances. Yeah. Because I, I recognize her, his face. <laughs> I showed her who it was. We're not going to say names. But yeah, so we went for it. We That was our first three. So we actually hooked up a few times with that guy. And then from there, we just kept... <laughs> a few times? We started having threesomes and foursomes with people here and there. Uh, and then eventually, I would say when I moved to Atlanta is when we really reevaluated and said, hey, in 2018, there was a lot of turmoil happening in our relationship at that point. But at this time, point, it was not your fault. No, no. <laughs> you guys were friends originally. We were. We were bandmates. But wow, the yeah, real band But eventually, we started story. trying, you know, hooking up or just seeing how that world worked on our own with other people and then at a certain point i think we just started hearing the words enm ethical non-monogamy more polyamory like it, online spaces or i think it was a mix of online and we had started learning about the kink scene i would say it was really 
Yeah, FrolicCon is this big kink convention that happens annually in Atlanta. We went one year because this one girl that I used to hook up with uh, kept inviting us and then finally we gave in. But that's kind of how we learned about it. And the more we learned and we started reading resources and seeing it more online because our phones listen to everything we say. Uh, they're listening. They want to help you out. No, they want to sell your data. <sighs> yeah. But yeah, I don't know. We We started learning more about how to be ethical with it and how to actually take everyone's emotions into consideration and figuring out what we wanted out of it. And more recently, we're both open to dating other people and it's not just physical and it's, we, we're not really hierarchical as in we- I But mean, you're married. We're, we're married, we're nesting partners, so we live together, but we're open to having someone else move in if it gets to that point. We're open to having someone else kind of be the same priority level as each other if it gets to that point. We haven't gotten there yet with anyone, but that's just because we haven't been in serious enough relationships with anyone else yet. As a part of this pseudo polygon, I would say you definitely need like a third <laughs> <laughs> or a fourth or like many others <laughs> to become a fully functioning human. You heard it here, folks. But, but that's kind yeah. of our general journey of how we got here, not without hiccups, obviously. And many also hiccups. Many. And also we've learned over the course of time about couples privilege and how we have that and how to kind of avoid that as much as possible when we're dating individual people by ourselves. Because someone who's been together for a decade, that can really intimidate a potential partner. I will say as someone who's like not necessarily what would you say our relationship is? <laughs> Should we label ourselves right here, right now? <laughs> As someone who's not, like, seriously dating either of you, but I've, like, seen how you operate in that space, and I've, like, been involved with both of you, I would say you guys have, like, the least amount of pr couples privilege I've ever seen in terms yeah. of, like, how you... I'll take that. ...talk about your relationship with each other. Like, yeah. it's very much not, like... Oh, my relationship with Podcast God is like a sanctity. And like, if you intrude, you're a mm -hmm. terrible person, yeah. which I think a lot of other couples approach their relationships like that. But and it I'm comes like, from monogamy. It really does. Yeah. And I'm like, it's that ownership why? idea. <laughs> I think that's one reason my most recent ex-girlfriend and I didn't work out because she and her partner very much subscribed to the idea of you are my one and only priority and hey you know no judgment everyone's different but they're very much that way and very much attached at the hip and then any other partner they have is kind of you know you're there we have fun together but you're not going to get past that level um and that's not really what i want i've learned so yeah there's a lot of couples who are like this is my primary primary And it's so obvious mm -hmm. that, like, anyone else is, like... I mean, a lot of people do. An afterthought. Hierarchy. An afterthought. But, like, even if I'm a secondary, I don't mm -hmm. want to be, like, the afterthought of, like, oh, I'm mm -hmm. bored and lonely. Let's yeah. hang out with my secondary. Yeah. But, yeah. And to me, and that sparks a whole other debate that we don't oh, have Oh, there's so much debate. In today's <laughs> episode. But I kind of... We can have this debate another time, but I'll just say what it would be. Who actually should be considered polyam? You know, because there are levels to it. There's definitely a lot of levels to it. Who's polyam versus who's just ethically non-monogamous? Because ENM is a bigger umbrella. Polyam, to me, and I've learned that not everyone sees it this way going into it. I thought that is what you envision as, hey, I have two or three boyfriends, girlfriends, whatever. And they're all full on partners and they all have the same rights or whatever, you know, the same privileges. Right. And a lot of people don't operate that way in the polyam space. So I agree. I also think a lot of 
couples who are dating as triads or whatever, mm-hmm. they are they are they really want to be like we're Polly instead of Ina because it makes them sound better. Yeah, that's definitely they're like, oh, we're like better people. We're not just using you for your right. body because that's what they assume Ina is. Yeah, but I'm like. No, just because we go on, like, a couple dates and, like... That's not being a partner. We are, like, physical. That doesn't mean we're, like, partner partners. Right. Like, this is not polyam, in right. my opinion. Yeah. And maybe that goes back to the immigrant upbringing we both have and just having a certain level of guilt of, okay, if I care about you, I have to do all this shit for you. Who knows? Well, it's probably because we also come from, like, pretty, like, communal cultures, I would say. That's, that's like true. a whole different ab- other episode. That's true. I didn't even think that way. Yeah, because yeah, like you're Russian and Ukrainian. I'm Chinese. Yeah, they're both pretty like communal cultures in terms yeah, of like looking much, out yeah. for other people in the community. It's very much a community. Yeah, and yeah. It's, you Ig- have to- ignore their social shaming that ha- comes with these cultures, but otherwise, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pros and cons. Pros and cons. Yeah, pros and cons. But I think in general, you and I both grew up being very much people pleasers and very much just lovers of other people besides each other for like (laughs) 10 years it's fine until now (laughs) until now and that definitely affects how we operate in polyamory yes so how did you guys get over the cheating incidents time time a lot of communication what did you guys talk about oh god i don't remember it was so long ago but like you remember it all I mean, I think a lot of it was honestly, I just needed space to be angry. Like, yeah. I think Podcast got said a lot of it was he needed space to be angry and just to feel the feelings. And I think a lot of that becomes from your upbringing. You're kind of used to having someone that you care about be angry at you, which sucks <laughs> for you. But like, I think because of that, you were actually kind of oddly well prepared. Mm-hmm. He basically said, because of my upbringing, <laughs> this is going to make <laughs> Immigrant. my family sound so bad. But uh, because of my upbringing, a lot of Russians are very loud and we like to yell. Like, I know I, I, the stereotype, I guess, is Italians. Are the stereotype loud. applies to Alex and we're not applying it to other people. Please don't get us. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so um, in my family, it's normal to just let it out if you're angry. There is no such thing as restraining or being polite. So... Mark was saying, I'm kind of used to being yelled at or my family members being angry with me. So because he needed that space and time and he needed to be able to express those feelings, I was able to deal with that, even though he was really pissed and he did really almost break up with me multiple times. But I gave him the, I guess, space and respect to say, I get it. I get where you're coming from. You can be angry, but also don't leave. (laughs) <laughs> and he did it. Did you go like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm never oh, going to yeah. do that again? Yeah, I apologized profusely multiple times. We've since had some other issues, you know, obviously ups and downs happen in relationships. Honesty was a thing that we have dealt with and still deal with in terms of how much do we trust each other? And there have been other moments where we've learned to just be fully honest with each other, even if we know it's going to hurt the other person because it's just better that way. And to fully communicate how we're feeling. We work through What it. do you think about that saying where it's like, cheaters never change or whatever? I, I think like, a lot of people that cheat are actually non-monogamous and don't realize that that's a thing they can be. I think now that we are ethically non-monogamous and, you know, really make an effort to live ethically in that space and communicate everything we're feeling and wanting to each other. Yeah, I think a lot of people are like, I'm going to just stay monogamous but cheat on all my partners right. versus like, 
what if I don't uh, I saw <laughs> what if I just recently? embrace the you know fact that, that I'm not of, like that guy walking with his girlfriend and he's looking back at the other girl that's oh that's with. that's a classic movie. yeah I I saw a version of it recently um posted by one of the polyam pages I follow on Instagram and the girl is labeled as um ethical non-monogamy the guy is monogamous people and then the the girl he's looking back at is cheating or having affairs <laughs> because that's really seen as more acceptable in society which is crazy it is and it's wild i'm like how are you guys okay with that that's yeah. wild i've never cheated in a relationship but i feel like a lot of like non-monogamous people get bored in relationships very quickly mm-hmm. and they need i would say i wasn't bored but it was more just Wanting to explore being bisexual and long distance just sucking. The combo of those things. Did you guys become more polyam once you moved in together? And I would say at first we just, when we first moved in together, because we moved in together in 2019, right? And it's 2023 now. So the first couple years, it was really just learning how to live together and how to exist not long distance. You're hard to live with, man. Hey now, hey now, <laughs> hey now. We've been, we've been doing great this time around. Take 10 years. We figured it out. <laughs> you even said I got cleaner than I was. You did. College. You did. Who's so. been doing the dishes lately? I mean, they're not done. Pockets <laughs> <laughs> guy would say he's done all the laundry. So. This is true. You know. Confirmed. But um, I don't know. First, we had to figure out how to be together together. And I think, and this is something I've noticed with other partners I've dated. Once I feel really secure and stable in a relationship, I'm totally fine when they date other people, talk about other people, and I feel more secure dating other people and not feeling like it'll affect this relationship. Once podcast God <laughs> and I got more stable and secure in our relationship, it got easier to just naturally and organically date other people. But some of the other people I've dated, because I didn't feel secure with them, it made my jealousy worse. I didn't want to hear about their other dates, their other partners, you know. What? I think some people would be like, you're a hypocrite because you cheated, therefore you're not allowed to get mm-hmm. jealous. What do yeah. you have to say to that? I think everyone can get jealous and that it's normal. It's just how you deal with it that defines how your relationship's going to go. Do you feel compersion now? Yeah. I think mostly with Podcast God because we just, like I said, I, I feel really safe in that relationship. Oh, um, for the new people, compersion is the opposite of jealousy. And yeah. you can also make it a pun by saying compersion. We have a card. You can come buy it. <laughs> buy our birthday conventions. cards. Our merch. Um, <laughs> on our website. That still doesn't exist. <laughs> but com- yeah, compersion is when you feel happy, sincerely, genuinely happy for your partner for experiencing whatever they're experiencing with a new partner or with another partner. So it's the opposite of jealousy. I would say I feel that the most with Podcast God because I just feel safe in that relationship. I I felt it a little bit here and there before with other partners, but I haven't gotten to a place yet with another partner that I feel really stable. So Have I you, like, said I love you to other partners no. yet? No one outside of podcast God yet. I feel like sex and relationships can't really not be intertwined in some Especially ways. if you're, like, allosexual. Like, right. it's just a thing. What is allosexual? It's the opposite of asexual. Like, really sexual? It's just, like, people who have... Who do feel like sexual attraction? Who don't? Who do? Who do? Yeah. Oh, Asexuals, oh. you don't feel any sexual attraction. I see. I see. Yeah. I see. I see. There's like hypersexual, which mm-hmm. is a whole different thing. Which, which is probably, is us. probably you. 
I'm a slut. <laughs> but but yeah yeah but I where were we? Uh, podcast God forgiving you. Podcast God, do you feel compersion? Uh, I think there are times that I do. He says there are times that he does. Anyways, I have questions. I'm just asking the questions that I know the audience is going to ask. What was the tipping point for like forgiving Alex and then trusting Alex again? The tipping point is kind of hard to point to like a specific instance. I can't think of any one specific event or anything that like between the two of us, I was like, all right, I now feel secure or anything. It's just kind of it built up over time. I think the thing for me that was kind of the reason I ended up being okay with Polly is as I kind of thought about what I was angry at Alex for, it wasn't at all to do with the hookups themselves or like what they were doing. It was the fact that they, or the desire itself. Yeah, like none of that bothered me. It was the fact that they had lied to me and the fact Ah. that they had like kept things from me that made me feel like they, like that kind of stuff, the lying and and the keeping things from me, those make me feel less secure in the relationship. Okay. So those make me feel like you're going to leave me or you don't love me or those kinds of feelings come up with that. Whereas for me, I realized that I didn't get those same sorts of feelings for what they had done outside of the keeping things from me. And so then at that point, at some point, once I kind of came to that conclusion, I don't remember when, but that's when I kind of approached them again and was like, hey, I don't think it would be a bad idea to explore doing things. At that point, I wasn't secure enough in the relationship to do things separately, but I was like, I don't think it's bad to explore us doing things together. And then, et cetera, et cetera. (laughs) Throughout the years, it evolved, but yeah. Yeah. Do you, for the listeners out there who are real Seneca, what's the difference between like you guys having these conversations and possibly like sunk cost of like a decade together? Like the sunk cost fallacy you're talking about? Yeah, like, yeah. Um, I don't know. I think trying to apply any sort of economic concept to <laughs> a relationship that's just makes it very clinical. And I don't think that's like necessary. I think you can approach your relationships in a different manner. I think just in reality, trying to think of a relationship in terms of, well, I need to just drop this because it's not going to be good for me right now or whatever. I, I think... I understand why people do that. And I understand why you would do that for a more short-term relationship. But by the time, since we had been dating for so long, by the time we got to the point that you had cheated on me and I'd realized it, I think we had already been dating for four or five years. Like we were already honestly pretty serious with each other. And so like at that point, no, I didn't want to lose them. Like we had been through a lot of shit together. Like I had lost family members and like all this sorts of stuff that we had gone through together And I couldn't imagine not having you as like someone to go to. And so even though they cheated, I I think there was definitely, I think. I'm not laughing at his answer. No, you are not. I know exactly. (laughs) Alex Alex farted. (laughs) Off cam farted. (laughs) But. um, We are adults. What was I saying? I forgot. Uh cannot apply economic yeah yeah and so i definitely was angry and like that wasn't something that was often accepted in my family was letting those emotions out so i do think that in order to like feel confident in our relationship the fact that i was able to be angry and it wasn't an issue just like was kind of eye-opening for me i was like holy shit like and then I, I got a lot more used to like standing up for myself and like advocating for myself because of that. 
And so like, I, I think about even though it, there were definitely shitty parts, I think about all the things that it has taught me about myself and like taught me about just being a better person. And I'm very happy with what we ended up with. That was such an articulate answer for someone who was forced to come on stage. <laughs> I'm also high as shit right now. Beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful. I have one more question. Okay. Other than how are you so cute? Okay. She um, agrees. Yes, I do. <laughs> or not really a question, but um, talk a little bit about how with your super Christian and fairly conservative Southern upbringing, it, it was di- it was even more difficult for you to see polyamory as an option, to see bisexuality mm-hmm. as an option. And also even, I remember when we were first, first dating, you had even made comments about some of my clothes being too cleavage yeah. you know, yeah. things like I that, mean, that now looking back, I'm sure you'd kind of feel bad that you even made those yeah, comments. Yeah, it's, mean, it's, it's hard to not have your clothes look cleavage Yeah, that's, that's for sure. That's a big ass tits. But... Um, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I definitely grew up in a very sheltered, very Christian environment. Um, Grew up as a little Southern Methodist boy in Birmingham, Alabama. So, you know, you definitely, there was definitely a lot of internalized homophobia and internalized, like, just, you kind of get taught. It's not even just the whole Christian upbringing, but the Southern upbringing of like, okay, you, in life, your goals are go to college, get a degree, while sometime between high school and college, meet a girl, marry that girl, and then have kids with them. And like that, that that's just- I mean, you got- like, Yeah, and stay virgins until you have kids with them. And th- th- that's just like, that is that is the escalator that they follow. You know, we can get into the relationship escalator on a different episode, but that, that, that's the escalator. That's that a good follow. episode to talk but, about. That's like what they follow and that's what they adhere to. And so that's kind of what I had been inundated with growing up. When I was still young and very much in that space, I prescribed more to those ideas. And I think um, Alex is a little bit older than me. So you had brought up those feelings of like wanting to date a woman and stuff like that. I think I was still a senior in high school, maybe a freshman in college. But I was going to say like my freshman year in college, I did marching band and um, just meeting so many different people. Like not that I didn't know, not that there like weren't black kids at my high school. And I was actually friends with more minorities than white kids uh, at my high school. But meeting black kids that had like grown up in the inner city. Like I, I met some of those pe- kinds of people in marching band. I met some like people who are openly gay in marching band. And like, that wasn't really a thing at my high school. Like people that were brave enough and willing to be openly gay. I changed a lot that freshman year in high school. And I think that's kind of college when, or yeah, college. And, and I think that's kind of when I started to really reevaluate and be like, okay, Maybe I'm bisexual. And like I started off with saying, oh, I'm heteroflexible. A lot of people start off that way. And and I was like, yeah, that's sure. Because I I can like look at a guy and be like, he's hot. But I I don't, I'm not going to like be gay. (laughs) And and so like, Like, you know, (laughs) and and then you meet people that are actually gay and you're like, oh, and they're pretty fucking cool. You're you're like, like, this is an option. Yeah. And and I'm just like, oh, well, shit. I'm not a terrible person if I happen to be half gay, as I like to claim. Like, that doesn't make me an awful person. Holy shit, that's an option. And I think once I got to the point that I started questioning those sorts of things, I got more comfortable with then also questioning my relationship ideals and stuff. And so that's kind of when I felt comfortable 
being like, hey, maybe we can explore being more open together and stuff like that. And now you guys are here. Yeah. On a poly podcast. Come back, Alex. Sorry. I think that was a good contribution. Thank you so, for coming on. So articulate for being high. I know. You were very articulate. You were more articulate than we, Alex. We got to get you high more. I am so fucked up right now. I took two edibles. That was a good little interview. Uh, it was. Yeah. All right. And now, moving on to Shay's origin story. So we ended up going a little overtime on the recording for this episode. We decided to split it into two separate parts. Part two is going to be in episode three. So we're dropping both episodes two and three today at the same time. So if you want to hear more about Shay's story of becoming polyam, go ahead and check out episode three. Thanks for listening. We lovers here's a blooper reel if you're still here should we say hey together <laughs> i think we should limit the number of shit that we say together no it's fine no. five One, three two, two. <laughs> hey <laughs> i thought you were gonna joke. i mean i sort of feel like we're sharing our personal experiences and sometimes they're a little messy and if we're gonna bash on our exes we should probably bash ourselves too <laughs> Quite upset.